Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. So when my kid was in Little League and he was fortunate enough to play all-stars and I was one of the coaches, when we took batting practice before those all-star games in Little League, we always played that song. That song played every single night. We thought we were so cool that we were playing that song for the Little League All-Stars. That's how old that song is. What year is that song, AJ? Any idea? Uh, I, I, I was in middle school. So yeah, no, it was, I, uh, it was the first Shrek, when, whenever the first Shrek came out. My, my, man, you, you, you go, your calendar revolves around movies all the time, doesn't it? That's my mom cool. made me watch uh, Gone with the Wind and The Godfather several times when I was four years old, and from then on, everything's <laughs> movies. Yeah, no, you seem to relate, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. I probably relate everything to a football, baseball, or basketball game, so uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But yes, that all-star song was played over and over again back in the day, and that was a while ago because my kid is a young adult now. Nin- not so young anymore, really. 1999, so I guess I was yeah, in that would, that would work. high school. Yeah, Because he was, it was about 2008. 2007 when he was doing the all-star thing so yes we, we definitely played that song but we play it today because the all-star game obviously is tonight in seattle um so let me start the second hour here of the sports huddle uh bob black with you here aj producing finding the great tunes to play that relate to our topic of conversation um so the commissioner i guess held his state of the game address Today, I guess that's fairly traditional at the All-Star break to do that, especially with all the media that's there. And I guess for the most part, pretty positive right now for baseball. I'm not a Rob Manfred fan. Neither is Matt. I know that. But, you know, I, I think the game is in a pretty good spot. Uh, reluctantly, I'll say the rules are helping. Um, not, still not crazy about some of them, but I do think it's helping. I, I'll bet attendance has been up. I think ratings have been good. Um, the game seems to be played crisply for the most part. As I said yesterday, five of the six divisions, the top two teams are separated by two games or less, so it's been it's been competitive. Um, so one of the things that came up today uh, was where the um, next couple of All-Star games are going to be. And I bring that up for, for a couple of reasons. So next year we know is in Texas. It's at Arlington, uh, uh, Texas Rangers home, Globe Life Field. We'll host the All-Star Game next year, Tuesday, July 16th. 2025 is the one that is still to be determined. And apparently two of the cities in the running are Baltimore and Atlanta, which I think is pretty cool. Um, First of all, Atlanta, if my memory serves me correctly, was supposed to get, I want to say, the 2021 All-Star Game, and then politics got in the way. They had that voting law that, that Georgia passed and major league baseball had all sorts of pressure on it and they pulled out because uh, i remember 20 both my kids as you well know if you listen to the show a lot sarah and will are both braves fans and we had talked about going to the all-star game 
in in 2021, and then Atlanta lost the All Star game in 2021. We wound up going to a playoff game in Atlanta instead last year, which is better. As uh, much as I like the All Star game, going to a playoff game is way better. We saw the Phillies and the Braves last year, and the Braves won that game. It was the only game they won in that series, for the record. Um, but anyway, so Atlanta was supposed to have gotten the game in 2021 and did not. So they could potentially be getting it next year. I guess time heals all wounds or whatever, and baseball's decided no matter what the voting laws are like in Georgia, we're ready to come back. So they could be coming back next year. I would love for it to be in Baltimore. I think I would do anything I could to go. I've been to one all-star game, the one in Washington. Um, what was that, 2019, I guess, the Bryce Harper Home Run Derby win. Uh, I was not there for the Home Run Derby on Monday night, but I did have the chance to go to the game on Tuesday, and that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, very festive social atmosphere for that game. So I, I would go back. I would go to another All-Star game, uh, especially if it was in Baltimore. I guess Chicago, uh, the Cubs, Wrigley Field, is also one of the finalists for 2025. Wrigley, Atlanta, Baltimore, and Toronto uh, also on that list. So one of those four cities, it looks like, will get the 2025 game, and then you know I'm going to find a way to go to the 2026 game. This one makes all the sense in the world. Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia for a couple of reasons. 2026, do the math with me here now, AJ, right? Our country, Declaration of Independence, Independence Day was 1776. So that will be the 250th anniversary of American independence in 2026. So what better place to play the National Pastimes All-Star Game than in the birthplace of independence, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So the 2026 game is already locked in in Philly. It's also 50 years since it was played in 1976, the 200th anniversary of our country's independence. Veterans Stadium was the host back there in 76. I didn't make it to that game. I'm not sure why I didn't make it to that game, but I, I didn't make it um, to that game. I was still in high school, at least, in 76. I know that you're going to tell me that you were in, yeah, whatever. Don't worry about it. Anyway, so Philly's got it, 2026, a couple of uh, anniversary milestones. It's appropriate to be there, as we said, 50 years ago. From 2026, it was at the Vet uh, in 1976, and 250th anniversary in 2026. So Philly gets it in 2026. So 2024, Texas Rangers, 2025, coming down to Toronto, Baltimore, Atlanta, and the Cubs, and then 2026, in um in philadelphia now some of the other news that that came out of the commissioner's address today and i i will be flat out honest full disclosure you could follow along with me here because a guy we had on last week um it was a great baseball writer for the usa today bob nightingale did a great job today of tweeting out bullet points from the commissioner's address today so i am literally scrolling down bob nightingale at b nightingale uh twitter feed to, to kind of present some of these points to you so you don't actually have to go look it up especially if you're driving so here's one of them from bob uh the oakland a's we all know they're getting ready to, to move they're having a miserable year could be an historic worst season in baseball they draw less than ten thousand people every night they're already picking up and moving to las vegas but they won't have a ballpark in las vegas until 2028 and their lease at the oakland coliseum is up after this year and the commissioner admitted today oakland has not submitted any kind of proposal or any kind of idea where they're going to play in the next three years 
I guess they could land back in the Oakland Coliseum. Boy, would that be a miserable experience for the next three years. But they better come up with something. I mean, they're bolting Oakland. I don't know why Oakland would open their arms and bring them back. And then they won't get to Vegas until 2028. So that's a little bit of an Achilles heel for baseball right now. Um, so here's here's another one. Let me do like um, two more, and then we'll come back after our guest at um, 515. Um, this one's really interesting. Just take a listen to this and chew on it for a while. We'll come back to it. Major League Baseball is working with Dow Chemical trying to develop a baseball with a sticky substance. And you might right away go, what? They're going to put a sticky substance on a baseball? What are they thinking? Well, that's been the whole controversy. That's why we've had um, pitchers that have been suspended for 10 games because they have the rosin. They're using rosin and the sweat, and it creates an illegal substance. Well, if baseball could figure out a way to just have the baseball with the feel that pitchers need and want, they can do away with the rosin bag, and they won't have to worry about it, and the pine tar, and all of that. So that one intrigued me a little bit. Dow Chemical trying to develop a baseball with a sticky substance already right on it. And then here's the last one, and this one I actually cheer. There's more I'll get into later, but there are no plans to implement an automated strike zone system in 2024. Hallelujah. I don't want it. I know I yell at the umpires every night because they miss balls and strikes because we all have the, the K zone on our screen that I'm not sure is always 100% correct. But anyway, um, I'm not ready for that. I like the human element. It'll probably come back and bite me. The Phillies will probably lose a game in the playoffs because an umpire makes a bad ball or strike call. But to me, the human element still part of the game. At some point, could there be a challenge system for balls and strikes? Yeah, I think that could possibly happen, but it won't happen next year. No plans to implement an automated strike zone in Major League Baseball in 2024. All right, more nuggets from the, the commissioner's press conference today. We'll talk more Major League Baseball and All-Star game uh, in the final half hour. Let's get you going, though, for what else we got going on in the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Huddle. Mind. Follow the Atlanta Braves as they battle for a sixth straight division crown here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Just past a quarter after five on the Sports Auto 1061 ESPN. Bob Black back with you here in Richmond. Uh, Greg Medea from the Charlottesville Daily Progress, who has been a regular contributor to our program for quite some time now, although he hasn't been on very much of late, and there are a couple of really good reasons for that. So, Greg, we, we welcome you back, and I think first and foremost, hey, we're a family-oriented radio station and family-oriented radio show. Um, congrats on the birth of your child back there at the beginning of June. Uh, you must be ecstatic about that, and I hope you're getting some sleep at this point now. Hey, Greg, are you there? <laughs> we'll try and get him back on the air. But, yeah, Greg tweeted it out back on June 1st, actually, uh, that he and his wife Shannon had a bouncing baby boy, Gavin Michael. A couple of great-looking pics of him on his uh, on his Twitter feed. So he's been a little busy with that with a different kind of team. Um, and now he's kind of getting back into the flow of things with the Virginia Cavaliers. So, um, yeah, Greg's been a little busy, but we love having him on. And we're going to talk a little baseball with him with the Virginia selections and the draft. And then look ahead a little bit uh, with football and basketball 
uh, both coming up before too long for Virginia and what we think of the Cavaliers and Tony Elliott on the football field. And Virginia has announced its non-conference schedule on the men's basketball side as well. So we are efforting uh, Greg to join us. All right, there we go. I think we got Greg now. I think we got uh, all the buttons pushed properly and everything connected. Uh, Greg, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you? Great. Hey, I mentioned, uh, I don't know if you were listening or could hear us or were cut off. Uh, yet. We haven't had you on in a while, and as I said, we're a family-oriented show here. So first and foremost, congrats on your family and your recent addition, Gavin Michael, right, to the Medea family. Yeah, that's that's correct, Bob. No, we're we're, we're thrilled, uh, my, my wife and I, and uh, we couldn't be happier. Uh, the little guy's been great so far, and uh, it's, it's been it's been nothing but a joy to this point. So I saw the pictures on on Twitter. One of the best baby pictures I, I've ever seen. And you know, let's be honest. After a while, they start to all look alike. But the way you have that young man dressed up in his baseball blanket and the ball and glove on his little sign that introduces him. That is just an absolutely awesome picture. And then it's followed by one in which, Greg, i got to tell you, we got to crop out the right-hand side of this. This New York Mets stuff for this young man has got to go, Greg. Got to go. Um, I feel bad that the poor kid's born into it, right, Bob? <laughs> I mean, I'll let him choose whatever other team he wants to choose in any other sport. Don't care. Uh, but, but the Mets you're born into. I was born into it with, with my dad. Uh, so, so, yeah, Gavin's, Gavin's born into being a Mets fan. <laughs> Well, our producer, A.J., is nodding in agree because he's a huge Mets fan, too. So I guess you got me outnumbered, and I'll let you slide on this one. Not being a Mets fan, but and he's already 0-for-1 on the home run derby with, with Pete Alonzo not winning it last night. So, uh, All right, anyway, uh, let, let's get into some Virginia talk. Uh, let me start on the baseball side. Uh, thoughts on Kyle Teal going to the Red Sox and Jake Geloff going um, to the Dodgers? And I, I just wonder, I think there were some folks who thought Teal, ACC player of the year, tremendous career at UVA, might have gone even a little bit higher. Not that you can kick about being the 14th player taken in the Major League Baseball draft. Yeah, Bob, I, I think that's that's a totally fair statement. Uh, there were some thoughts that maybe he'd go in the top 10 uh, going into the going into the draft, uh, but but ends up going 14th to Boston, and and that seems like that seems like a really good fit for him. And I, I think especially about the way with the way he he's able to take the ball to the opposite field in his career at Virginia. Watching him closely over the last couple of years, he, he has a knack for. You know, smacking a fly ball double to left field, then it'll clank off the fence. And all I can think of with Boston is, you know, hitting and then playing pepper with the green monster. I don't know if the power will play, you know, up to that level at the major league level. But I think about their their minor league system and, and places. And, and I looked at some of the ballparks, and some of them have the, you know, the, the replica green monster at their, you know, up, up the chain uh, in the minor league organization. I, I can see Teal Swing just being a really good fit. Uh, and, and really good play for Boston uh, as he tries to climb and, and get to uh, the big leagues. But he, he was terrific this year for, for, for UVA, won the ACC batting title, uh, was one of five catchers only in the last 30 years to win the league batting title, joining Jason Varitek, Buster Posey, uh, Yasmani Grandal, and then Joey Bart. All four of those guys were first-round picks. Uh, and just it's so hard to do what he did because you're playing catcher every day, right? The demands of the position are there, 
Uh, and he's athletic enough to, to maybe play elsewhere if, if Boston, you know, wanted to give him a, give his legs a break and stick him in the outfield. Or uh, I know Brian O'Connor said he even thinks Kyle Field could play on the infield if he had to. Uh, so you, that, that's what Boston's getting, and he's coming off just a sensational junior year with UVA. And he's got a teammate going with him, right? Connolly Early from our neck of the woods at James River, yep. picked in the fifth round also by Boston, right, pitcher? Yeah, and and, and that's that's a great story, right? Connolly Early, uh, who transferred uh, to Virginia from Army after being a Patriot League pitcher of the year in 2022, uh, was, was a great story for, for UVA and really solidified their pitching staff in the back half of the year. Started the campaign as, as their midweek guy, Tuesday starter, was dominant, and then about halfway into April, Brian O'Connor made the decision, maybe late April, uh, to, to push Connolly into the, the weekend rotation. It worked out. He was really, really good, earned some All-American honors, some All-ACC honors, uh, and, and, and got picked by the Red Sox. So uh, his move paid off, and I guess you could say the same about Ethan O'Donnell, uh, the center fielder, a transfer from Northwestern, mm-hmm. was a pretty good player in the Big Ten, second-team All-Big Ten guy in 2022, uh, but was excellent in the ACC this year. First team All ACC guy. He went in the sixth round of Cincinnati. Uh, so it, 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 it you, when you think about the transfer portal, right? Football and basketball come to mind first and foremost. Uh, but with Virginia, it's a program that can can really reap the fen- benefits in baseball too. Uh, because they, it's a destination type program, and uh, you, you saw some of it this year with Connolly Early in the rotation, some other guys too, Nick Parker, uh, Brian Edgington, who helped out on the pitching side, uh, but then Ethan O'Donnell also, and and those guys made good and, and made the most of their opportunity at UVA. And Greg, you've uh, alluded to UVA baseball coach Brian O'Connor a couple of times in our conversation already, and uh, we'll address him as Hall of Fame baseball coach Brian <laughs> O'Connor uh, during this off season. Uh, did you have a chance to catch up with him about that, and you know, kind of his feelings and what he has done with the Virginia baseball program over the past two decades? You know, not not since he was in, it announced that he'd be inducted, but before the, the baseball season, I sat down with him for a long series of stories on his 20 years at UVA, and it's just so interesting. And then you start to talk to people that know him well, not only uh, players that have been through the program, but, but coaching uh, foes, I guess you could say, coaching guys who he's coached against. And you know, I talked to Tim Corbin down at Vanderbilt and Danny Hall at Georgia Tech. Danny Hall's going to be part of that Hall of Fame class too. And, and what they told me was, you know, just the way – O'Connor has built his program, right? Hasn't sacrificed for anything, brings in these high-character kids and really demands a lot out of them. And they said that, you know, just from afar, that's something that hadn't changed because, you know, they still see the same type of effort, the same type of kid at Virginia, you know, the last four or five years as, as college sports has changed, you know, you know, more move, more player movement, introduction to transfer portal, NIL, of course, the last two, three years. Uh, and, and O'Connor hasn't sacrificed that to, to do what he does uh, with Virginia's program. So it's, it's been really fascinating, right? Uh, all the trips to Omaha, including this past June, uh, getting back to Omaha went in 2021. They won a 2015 national championship. They produced, you know, uh, one big leaguer after another. I know uh, Sean Doolittle, former Nat, you know, the Nationals closer during you know, their their 2019 championship season, uh, World Series winning season. He had told me, you know, he, he's probably the best, uh, you know, most impactful coach in his career. And that's a guy that's played for, for Davey Martinez and Dusty Baker, Bob Melvin. Uh, so you think about that. And then even just looking, Bob, at, at the draft this year, uh, four draft picks this year, 
under O'Connor. That's the 15th time in the last 20 years under his watch that Virginia's had at least four draft picks in the same year. So pretty incredible stuff by by O'Connor, and and he, he you know he, he appreciates what Virginia's done for him too. I know, uh, you know, going back to Craig Littlepage who hired him. Uh, O'Connor had such you know deep appreciation for him and, and the opportunity and the way they were able to grow the program together and and are still doing it now with with Carla Williams in charge. Absolutely. Hey, one more on baseball, and then we'll touch quickly on football and basketball before I let you go. But I, I will give a little bit of um, uh, shout out to Virginia Tech as well. They've had five mm-hmm. guys take it already, so that's that's nine guys between Virginia and Virginia Tech in the first 15 rounds, and great, that doesn't even count, like, a couple of guys from William and & Mary, and there was a James Madison guy, and uh, Hayden Snellsnyer from uh, uh, Randolph-Macon got taken in the 17th round today, so the, the Commonwealth of Virginia, pretty darn good college baseball. Man, it's, it, I think it's in a good place, Bob, and, and, and you know, from, from seeing a lot of these teams, uh, you know, when they, when they come past and play the Spiders and in Richmond, like, it, there's some really good programs, and not just you know, the kind of the banner program that is UVA for the state, but Virginia Tech's gotten so much better. Liberty is typically a team that you'll see in the postseason. Uh, you, you think about Old Dominion and what they've done. They, you know, the last couple of years, I, I don't know if anybody in the sports had more home runs than Old Dominion. That, that team absolutely mashed the baseball. Uh, it, it's, in, it's in a really good spot, and I think, you know, the mid-major programs and the access to players in the state, right? You have great pockets of baseball uh, from, from up in northern Virginia uh, in, to, to Richmond to, to down by the beach. And, and even in the Shenandoah Valley area, mm-hmm. uh, there's some really good baseball where, where these, these programs have access to players. And if they can get in early, you know, you've got a shot to get them in and, and really start to build your program. And I think you're seeing that all across, all across the Commonwealth with college baseball and perhaps more draft picks coming as the Major League Baseball draft um, continues. All right, let's uh, sashay here into what's coming up for Virginia Athletics, and let's start on the, on the football side. What's it going to take for you to be able to say a good program about football, as you just did about baseball? And I know you recently wrote, wrote about the recruiting success that Virginia is having, and Greg kind of spreading their wings a little bit here to the Midwest and, and up and down the East Coast, right? Yeah, I think I think they've done a little bit different, and they do have three commits from in state, and that's good for UVA. That's something they're trying to get uh, a little more consistent. But uh, of course, you know, you, you got to get players where you can get them too, and they've got some different connections on their staff. Their new offensive line coach Terry Heffernan has some Midwest roots. They were able to get into Big Ten country and 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 get an offensive lineman out of Chicago out of the Chicago area. Uh, who, who's excited about coming to UVA and, and chose UVA over some closer options, closer Power Five options uh, to home? They've gotten into the Northeast a little bit, uh, the New England area. I uh, have one commit from Connecticut, another from Massachusetts, uh, and, and maybe that can be a pipeline. I know they've offered a couple of kids uh, from from the same school their wide receiver commit is from. Uh, you know, in, in future years too, uh, and, and down in Georgia, if four commits from from down in Georgia. And that's that's a state that's that's really recruited these days uh, because because there's there are players all over that state. And I know Virginia has has good high school football. Georgia's got good high school football, and I think Virginia is just trying to make sure they're they're East Coast uh, they're, they're doing and 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 cleaning up up and down the East Coast if they can. Uh, Georgia's been good to UVA for commits, so. Uh, I think they had eight total in June, up to 11 in the class at this point, and I'm sure there'll be more this summer, the rest yep. of this summer as it goes along. 
Absolutely. That's what the talk is all about right now. We'll hold off on getting into this year's team the next time we have you on because it'll be ACC media days, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there for sure. I saw Virginia's basketball non-conference schedule um, is out, Greg. It seems, uh, first glance, a little bit of all or nothing here, right? Either some really big-time games or games that, look, they're by games. You expect Virginia to win those games. That, but there are some there are some signature games on there with uh, Florida and Wisconsin and, you know, uh, the, the SEC Challenge game as well and Memphis on that schedule. What do, you, what do you think of the non-conference schedule that Tony Bennett and staff has put together? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it, all, all or nothing type of games in terms of the competition. But I think, you know, they're – there are some really good games on that schedule with, with Florida, the second game of the season. That, that's a neutral site uh, game down in Charlotte. Uh, you've got the, the Fort Myers tip-off where Virginia play Wisconsin in that, the opening round and then play the winner of SMU in West Virginia. West Virginia's got all sorts of uh, things going on with their program yeah. right mm-hmm. now and, and what's going on with Bob Huggins uh, the departing. Uh, and then you've got Texas A&M and the ACC-SEC Challenge, which replaces the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, and, and really, Bob, I, I think it kind of reminds me of what Virginia did last year in the non-conference, right? Uh, they, they played some really good non-conference games early. They had to go to Michigan. They played Houston. Uh, they, they had some really good tests out of the gate. Of course, they went to Las Vegas uh, and played a couple of really good teams out there. Baylor, uh, included. Uh, so I think, you know, they, they, they found some benefit with that as they got into the ACC schedule. Uh, and I think it helped their RPI too, of course, when you play some, some tougher teams in the non-league. Uh, so I, I think it's pretty good and, and kind of follows what they did a season ago. Absolutely. Exciting times. And again, Virginia's coming off a great year. Just they were fourth in that Director's Cup, which kind of measures your overall success in an athletic department. So uh, that's good for the Virginia Cavaliers as well. Greg, appreciate the update on all of that this afternoon. Again, congrats to you and your family. And we do look forward to catching up with you probably post-ACC media days and starting to dissect the Virginia football team for 2023. Sounds good, Bob. Always, always enjoy catching up with you. Thanks so much. All right. Greg Medea, Charlottesville Daily Progress. He's got a lot on his plate uh, these days. Uh, now with the probably diaper duty is is in his calling here in the next half hour or so. So appreciate him coming on with us and talking some UVA athletics. 532. Let's get a break in here. Back on the other side. 1061 ESPN. His words can move you. Seriously, they can pick you up and carry you across the room. Or maybe that was the poltergeist again. Hmm. Big Al is live weekday mornings 8 to 10 on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Coming down the home stretch of the Tuesday Sports Huddle. Don't forget, we'll be at Colonial Downs Thursday, start of their racing season. Both Matt Joseph's with Border to Border from 3 to 4. And then the Sports Huddle, Sean Robertson, will join me from 4 to 6 again this year, live on Thursdays at Colonial Downs. 804-327-0888. Roger, thanks for hanging through the break. You're on with us. Thanks for calling. Yes, how are you guys? Hope you guys are having a good afternoon. Yep, hope I you are too. To... Oh, thank you. Well, it was a long day at work, that's for sure. Woo! Um, Glad it's over. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your take on Wimbayama, how the Spurs used him the first two games? 
Yeah, I, I think it was fairly predictable. You know, he struggled in that first game. He had, what, like nine points and turned the ball over a little. I think he tried to do a little too much ball handling with the ball, you know, at the foul line and perimeter. And then they got him into a better position in game two, a little bit more down low, and uh, had the double-double, had a good number of rebounds, several on the offensive side, um, and showed his, his range both offensively. I think he hit a couple threes. And he showed his range defensively by blocking a couple of jump shots. So they played him in the first two games, Roger, and it did not surprise me at all that they said they were shutting him down at that point. He won't play in any more summer league games. And that, that really didn't surprise me. They can take him back to San Antonio now and, and start to work with him individually and get him ready for the season. What would you think? Well, um, I, I wasn't like that. I agree with you. Um, I wasn't happy with a lot of the play calling in game one. Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy that tall, just let him flash in front of the basket and give him a cup of alley-oops. Yep. Um, he definitely shows how weak he is and, yeah. you know, for going up against some pros. But what I, well, what came into my mind when I saw him play game two, really just by his built and everything, was Ralph Sampson. Nice. And... I don't know how long of a career Samson had in the NBA, but I, I do remember him being just very, very thin. And um, I just think that the Spurs is going to have a good three to five years of negativeness um, until this guy, until really San Antonio gives him some help, because he's definitely not going to be able to do it on his own. Right. Right. I think that's that's very obvious um, that he is going to need some help and he is going to need some strength also. I think that was very apparent. And remember, he's only 19 years old, so his body's going to fill out some more. They'll get him in the weight room. They'll get him on the right meal plan, to be honest with you, to try and bulk him up a little bit. Great analogy, though, Roger, with, with Sampson. So I looked it up real quick while you were talking. He played nine years in the NBA, averaged 15 right. points, nine rebounds a game, four all-star games and hall of famer so that's not a bad comparison so he's an nba hall of famer ralph sampson uh it's uh, let me double check that because it says hall of fame in 2012 so i don't know if that means nba pro hall of fame college i'll double check that for you i'm i'm, I'm as we speak i'm i'm looking <laughs> Okay, yeah, I think he made the college Hall of Fame, but yeah. I'm not sure he made the NBA Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, but, I think you know, it was. Some people, I think what, you're what right. They I consider think... his, what some people consider his career a failure. Oh, I would hope not. I wouldn't call it a failure. It probably didn't live up to everybody's expectations, but I, I would certainly not call it a failure. No, I wouldn't. Okay. Okay. All right, no, that's all uh, I wanted to say on that. But I wish the young man well. And um, I just hope, like I said, too much pressure don't uh, come on him. And I hope he doesn't get hampered by a lot of injuries either. Yep, I, I'm with you, Roger. All right, Roger, thanks. Good good call and good observations there and a great analogy on Wembayama to, to Ralph Sampson. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm just reading some stuff on Sampson uh, and heavy expectations is the phrase that was used for him. So I could see where some people could spin that as a pro career being a failure, but I certainly don't agree with it. First-round pick, uh, four-time All-Star, rookie of the year. I'm I'm just reading some of his accolades in the NBA. Um, Now, could he have maybe played longer and won a championship or two 
yeah, I think he he certainly could have. But I mean, there were that's a great phrase, heavy expectations, and there are heavy expectations on Wembayama. I think times have changed since since Ralph was playing right in the '80s and early '90s, um, and and Wembayama will have more resources at his disposal, both human resources and physical resources that could make him a better player and keep him playing even for a longer period of time if he wants to he's going to make way more money in a shorter period of time that's for sure but if he does stay healthy he could have a long long successful career and he's probably with the right organization who knows a thing or two about bringing big guys along uh see tim duncan and see david robinson as examples in san antonio all right we'll wrap it up one more segment after the break we'll get you to six o'clock major league baseball all-star coverage at seven right here on 1061 espn it's the greatest show of the summer the 93rd major league baseball all-star game live from t-mobile park in seattle get the all-star call live beginning tonight at seven on 1061 espn richmond traffic reports on uh this just in the major league baseball draft is complete it has finished up and it is done uh, for 2023. So a lot of Virginia guys went. We mentioned not only Virginia, Virginia Tech, JMU, uh, Randolph-Macon had a pitcher taken in the 17th round. William Mary had a couple of guys taken. We had some local high school guys as well. You go to MLB.com and get the whole Get the whole list. You can sort it out just by the Commonwealth of Virginia and see all the guys um, that were selected. All right, a couple more notes from the commissioner today from baseball. Again, this is pretty newsworthy stuff for the most part. Here's another one that really intrigued me. Manfred said he'll continue to talk to players and to Tony Clark. He's the uh, head of the Players Association about the possibility of adding a few seconds to the pitch clock during the postseason, but would prefer to keep the same rules for the regular season and postseason. All right, here's where I fall on that one. I would love it if they would add a few more seconds. Just make it 20 seconds for everything. This 15 and 20, just go 20 for everything. And I'm with them. I would like the whatever it's going to be, I would like it to be the same in the regular season and in the postseason. So let's just move it to 20 and leave it there for the regular season and the postseason. I really hope that happens. Now, he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth because in the regular season, we put the stupid ghost runner on second base when we go to extra innings. And in the postseason, we don't do that. So, again, there's a lack of consistency from the commissioner there, and I'm not a big fan overall of the commissioner anyway. But I do like the idea that maybe there could be some convincing that perhaps uh, we could expand that pitch clock. I think it would make the enjoyment of the game better for me uh, personally if we just go 20 seconds all the way through. Look, I'm not going to be naive enough to think I can get rid of the pitch clock and that the guys are going to play the game at a sped-up level because they've become indoctrinated to it. So I would at least like it to be 20 just all the way through. And then the, the other one uh, that is interesting, he said that quickly after the Tampa Bay and Oakland situations are resolved, I already mentioned the Oakland situation, right, where they don't know they're going to play for the next three years before they bolt for Vegas. Tampa Bay needs a new ballpark. If they don't get a new ballpark, they're probably going to get out of Tampa Bay. But as soon as they resolve both of those situations, he will put together an expansion committee and look to increase Major League from 30 to 32 teams. 
in general, I'm okay with that. I, I know it could be a little bit watered down potentially with two more teams, but I, I kind of like the idea of of adding two more teams. Look, I, I'm an old school guy. I would love to see them go back to Canada and put a team in Montreal. Or would they be, you know, international enough that they would put a team, you know, in, in Mexico or the Dominican or something like that? I mean, I would think all ideas are at least on the table. And then from an American standpoint, the, my number one choice would be Nashville. I would love to see them put a team in, in Nashville. And then the last thing, uh, he said that the players' union would be interested – in potentially reducing the 162-game schedule. Matt Joseph, did you hear that wherever you are right now getting ready for dinner? The players' union would be interested in reducing the 162-game schedule. But there is a caveat, not at the expense of rolling back players' salaries. So they're going to play, they're going to work less, but they're going to get the same amount of money. Wow, what world are they living in there? But, again, I'd be in favor of a small reduction maybe to like 154, which is what it was in the old days. But I would not want it to be cut by 25 or 30 games or anything along those lines. And they certainly couldn't do that because of the salary structure, for sure. All right, a lot of baseball talk today. That's a lot of pretty good news, though. Uh, Again, Bob Nightingale had all of that on his Twitter feed uh, today, and he was a guest with us on the program last week, great baseball writer from the USA today. All right, hey, coming up, we're on the road tomorrow. We'll be live at the Greater Richmond Convention Center for the USA Karate National Championship and Team Trials. Thursday, we are at Colonial Downs for the start of their horse racing season. And then Friday, we'll be broadcasting live from the International Quad Ball World Cup in Glover Park over in Glen Allen. And here's the big news of the day. The on-site producer for the first time of that event will be AJ. We are sneaking him out the back door of the studio so the guards don't see him leave and AJ's going to be on location with me Friday afternoon at Glover Park. Uh oh. And you do get a little bonus for that so you should be really excited. I'm just happy to talk sports with you Bob. Oh come on now. I can't wait to see your setup. You're going to have everybody everything ready for me. I'm going to DJ it. That's great. I want you to people are going to come up asking for who's this AJ guy. He's out and about. We're opening the door, and out he comes. Once we get him out, we may never get him back in, like putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, All right, fun show today. We're looking forward to all of that. On the road the next three days for the sports huddle. Uh, Really looking forward to all three of those remote events. Thanks to Ralph Richards from the ECNL Girls Soccer Tournament that's coming to our fair city this weekend, and Greg Medea from the Charlottesville Daily Progress. Enjoy the All-Star Game. Our coverage on ESPN starts at 7 o'clock tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow on the next Sports Hub. Jonathan McNamara here from the American